What's up, brother? Let's talk about, you know, how you got into, you know, football and how you got into coaching. Yeah, so um, getting into coaching happened after my first year at OBU playing football. Uh, COVID hit at that time. Everything was shut down, online classes, and I was just trying to kind of stay in shape over the summer, working out at Bridge Creek High School, where I grew up, went before Blanchard. Um, after a while, kind of just started staying after my workout, helping out with them, coaching up their quarterbacks, receivers a little bit, and really because I needed guys to throw to at the same time. After a while, they wanted me to stay there, but they couldn't pay me, and I just kind of got on the job board last minute in August, saw U.S. Grant, knew some family was around there, dad went there, didn't know what it was really about, and about a day later, I was there working there. Spent three seasons at U.S. Grant, even though I was kind of on and off coming and going. Did my first football season, left, went up to Illinois, Elgin, Illinois, actually, <laughs> play football again. That semester didn't go great. Came back and shot him a text thinking I have my job back. He'd actually already hired a quarterback coach. And he said, yeah, sure, no problem. We'll move that guy somewhere else. Kind of after that, next semester back, they gave me strength conditioning coordinator position. So I stayed again. And then after that semester, they made me the offensive coordinator on top of all that. So I stayed again, finished out the year, but just kind of got to a point where I had to look for something else. You and Coach Hill have conditioning conversations about your quarterbacks? Um, we talked a lot during the summer about things. Not as much how to do it from a quarterback perspective. Just really trying to learn from him. Because it's something I might want to get back to one day. Not exactly right now, but I didn't know I had as much of a passion for it until I... The strength and conditioning side of yeah, things? Yeah. Until I did it. And then, man, there's a lot of days I looked forward to that more than football. Okay. When right. I was at Grant. And so I do miss that here now, but Lance helped me a lot with just how to run things and certain little things that you don't really know. All I knew was just from doing it. Right. And I did the same workouts the kids did, and that's how I knew what worked and what didn't. All right. Right. Take, take us through a little bit of your – because I know – take us a little bit through your playing career too because I know there was some – Ups and downs and some turns yeah. and whatnot. I mean, I appreciate that because it's kind of similar background and things. So it's kind of take us through that part too. Yeah, um, man, I was a quarterback pretty much the day I was born. Right. It seems like uh, I did it all through little league. My dad was my coach, so you know you have those people that say that's the only reason. Back the quarterback, <laughs> but uh, <coughs> yeah. And then once I got to middle school, I hit camps really hard. I started kind of talking to colleges. Pretty much going into my ninth grade year. Not heavy recruiting, but I was already getting invited to campus and, right. and stuff like that. Lucky enough to start a couple games my freshman year. I uh, didn't exactly light it up, but didn't, you know, mess it up too bad right. at the same time. And then, so after freshman year was really when I thought, like, I might be big time. I'm, I might be that guy. And then uh, didn't quite end up that way. <laughs> but... But yeah, I was lucky enough to be recruited a lot, especially junior year. In high school, you played at Blanchard? Bridge Creek. Okay. From six years old okay. until through junior year. Okay. And then I'd kind of been hurt every year from seventh grade through junior year. Okay. Not just like hurt, but like injured, injured. And that's because I was kind of having to do everything yeah. there. And uh, I broke my hand second snap of offense junior year. As soon as that happened, my dad said, we're, we're gone. We're done with it. we got to find somewhere new. And then that kind of opened up the high school transfer portal of what local school I was going to end up at. Uh, ended up at Blanchard because it was just the perfect opportunity. Really great team, really great players. They'd just been in the semis, and all they lost maybe three guys, and one was the quarterback. Went there, um, broke my ankle playing a summer baseball game when we were up eight runs trying to steal third for no reason. <laughs> 
and then that's kind of what what started the the decline of the playing career there. Okay. Not exactly from a mobility or being able to play it, but it took me so long. It was week five. Yeah. By the time I got back to playing again, and I was some people won't agree, but kind of a dual threat. Yeah. I was mobile a lot, and when I lost the ability to run because I rushed it back and wasn't actually fully right. cleared, cleared yet, uh, and that killed my confidence and just kind of coasted through senior year. Offers all the ones I had from D1. I had an offer from every level, from D3, JUCO, to FBS, and they all just kind of dropped off for different reasons. Yeah. Some just because I didn't play most of senior year, some because of just my attitude about the whole thing. Yeah. And then went to OBU, kind of battled between – I made that second string, but I didn't want to burn a red shirt. Yeah. Because my attitude was still terrible, and I decided I was going to go to OBU for a semester, maybe a year, and I'll just transfer to one of those big schools that I was talking to, and they see my legs good. That didn't happen. <laughs> right. Didn't happen. Uh, I entered that transfer portal, and I was begging any school in the country to just listen to me. And then ended up, after that first semester of coaching, went up to Justin University in Elgin, Illinois. Uh, Elgin, Illinois. Yeah. Small world. Yeah, it was kind of a different scenario than I was told it would be yeah. when I was getting recruited. I knew they were NAIA, and it was a new program, but I got there, and it was – like no locker room, no practice facilities, nothing. And you could just tell that it, it wasn't what it should be at the college level. Right. And so I knew pretty quickly I was leaving. Thought I was going to go back to OBU or maybe Swasu. I'd kind of been talking to people. And then by the time I left there, there was no going going back anywhere, really. Yeah. Just financially and, and other things on top of it. So yeah. That kind of ended it. And then mm-hmm. couldn't stay away from football. Right. So. As a parent, right? You got a kid that's interested in being quarterback. What would be some good advice to give him? Man, I mean, it depends <laughs> on what age, really. The earlier you can start. Okay, well, we can speak about that then, too. Like, is there different levels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, because in the beginning of it, I mean, you're, you're almost a lot of times you're putting one of your best athletes at quarterback just because. Yeah, every time. Because he touches the ball every play. Right. So when it so when he's you know anywhere between that five well first through third fourth grade yeah. I'd say give or take I mean you can speak on it a little bit better but I would yeah. say first to, you know you just kind of put your best athlete there because he's touching all your play and let's figure it out from there then all of a sudden you know you can see a kid yeah. that can throw and some other things but go ahead right well, first or third grade you don't know what position anybody's going to grow up to play no 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 no, yeah. no. you have no idea. Um, but quarterback is a position that if you if you think your son has the potential to someday do it, you got to get into it as early as possible. Yeah. Really, just try to be the best football player you can until you start getting to like middle school age, and then you got to really start learning the finer details of how to actually be a quarterback, not just an athlete playing football. Yeah. Right. So uh, I, I feel like sometimes like like parents, how do you say it? They, they get. Overconfident, or right. everybody, wants everybody, dreams, wants, everybody know, wants to be the quarterback. They have big dreams, it, you know, but yeah. it's like not everybody's Ben Roethlisberger. You know what I mean? No, right. You know, sometimes Ben Roethlisberger needs to be on the line, dog. You yeah, know what I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Not every kid is gonna grow up to be a quarterback, um, and it's not that it takes a special kid. To a certain degree, it does. Um, for the most part, you got to be pretty cool, calm, and collected. Yep. That's a lot harder for a young kid than it is as they get more mature. And TJ and I probably can both say the same thing. We were 
probably not as cool, calm, and collected as we should have been in maybe the high school years and maybe the middle school years, um, which led to us not being as good quarterbacks at that time, probably. Um, because, like I said, you get all the praise when things go good, but you definitely get all the blame when things are bad, too. Right. Um, yes. So you've got to kind of stay even keel. Um, players, like once you get to that middle school and high school level, I would say players look at you a little bit different, too. Uh, we've talked about this a couple different times when the yeah. ball I made the comment, you know, oh, which baby do you know, you know, we need to make sure that the balls fit his hands and this, that, and the other. And some of that stuff is true. Um, so you got to have a special kid that has a different, uh, that has a, has a temperament that, um, can't get too high, can't get too low. And I mean, there are kids out there, obviously that the Baker Mayfields is kind of always the high level, but I mean, when things go bad for Baker, things go very bad quickly because right. of that at it, because of his mentality. Now when things are going great, Hey, he's as good of a best, you know, he won the Heisman because everything was going great. But like I said, in the NFL, when things start to go bad, they kind of snowball on you and things like that. And that's part of that even keelness. He did, you know, he's getting better with it. Um, I think, but, uh, that, that, that you can kind of see some of that. Um, and yeah, you speak on it. I, mean, you I like the part you said about the players treat you different. Yeah. Because that's true. A hundred percent true. Yeah. And the older you get, the worse it gets. Yeah. Like, especially by the time my senior year, kids start to treat you less like a teammate and more like a coach. Yeah. Like you're, you're more on the coach's team than you are on their team. Mm-hmm. But and then when you get to college, it's even yeah. even worse. Yeah, because I mean, you're you're, you're now the yeah you're the you're the face of the program. You're the this. You're the that. And it's more of the like you said. You're more you're you're friends with your teammates. Don't get me wrong. And you're you know and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, your teammates look at you a little bit differently because you have a different relationship with coaches because everything runs through you. Yeah, so you're you the coach have, on the field. You have to have a different relationship right. with coaches. Right. Is there an example of where that's the opposite, like that y'all can think of right offhand? I mean, you run into special talents like a Michael Vick. Um, you know, now that the spread offenses are a lot more prevalent, you see a lot more some of it in high school, um, where you just have a freak of an athlete that can you know run a four four and throw it eighty yards. Right. Um, so I mean. Some of that gets thrown out of the window. Um, but then when you look at that, I mean, how many of those teams win the big ones and, and some of that type of stuff? Like a Lamar Jackson at Louisville. I mean, I, I know somebody that was on that coaching staff when he was there. He's got an arm like that's unbelievable and some of that type of stuff. But it, he just was such an unbelievable athlete that some of that quarterback stuff, he, they would try and teach him. But he was just so much of a better athlete that it was just kind of one of those things like, Everybody loved Lamar, not that he was a bad kid, but it was just, what are you talking about? Like, I'm cool with it. You know, I do it this way and I'm cool with it. But, right. like, it's in the, there's sometimes a better way to do it and things like that. I would be kind he of my thoughts. He wasn't the, like, cliche of what a quarterback should be that everybody thinks of, of the leader and coach on the field and all right. that stuff. And there's different styles. I mean, you've got the you've got the Tom, the Tom Brady who's the yeller and screamer and – you know, let's go. I mean, all that kind of stuff. But then you, there's a ton of kids out there that are a lot like Trace. That's not necessarily that vocal guy. Like Peyton Manning wasn't a super vocal guy on the field. I mean, you see some of the highlights where he yells at some people here and there, but he was more of the coach on the field and more of he wasn't really a rah rah guy. Um, right. So that, that's kind of that's a little bit of a difference. Well, can, can we? Can we I, that's one of the questions I'll ask you because everybody talks about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, right? 
So I was just going to ask, like, who do y'all think is better? I'm a Broncos fan, so I'm going Peyton Manning every time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, my, hey, my boy Dino's going to love that. Peyton, that yeah, Peyton, Peyton's a New Orleans guy. Um, so, I mean, I do love the Mannings, Mannings a lot. Tom Tom Brady worked himself into being a better quarterback than Peyton. Peyton, Peyton probably was smarter. Wrong word. Peyton was more football savvy, but Tom Brady, I think, had Tom Brady had all the qualities of Peyton, but still had that dog in him. Where yeah. Peyton, I don't think, had that dog in him. Peyton you, was you more. You could almost say like Peyton was maybe a better football player, but yeah. Tom was a better quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh no, or I might even say the opposite way. Where the Peyton, opposite. Yeah, where Peyton was the better. Peyton was the better quarterback, but Tom was an all-around better football player. Because, like I said, he had that dog in him. He had that – Peyton was super competitive, don't get me wrong, but Tom Brady had that over my dead body are we going to lose type deal. And Peyton would – Peyton's attitude almost seemed like I did everything I could do to win, but we just didn't win. Right. It is what it is. But, I mean, you're talking about 1A and 1B yeah. just about. Is there anybody else y'all think is close to them? I mean, if you go old school, I mean, Joe Montana was pretty darn good. I mean, that's, nah, I ain't really talking are, about Joe, old school, but, yeah, well, we can talk about old school, though. But now the new breeds are just different. I mean, Patrick Mahomes does things that – most human beings can't do with football. And as a quarterback, as a quarterback and a probably quarterback coach, some of it drives you crazy. Yeah. Because he does nothing that is, he does a lot of things that are very good fundamentally, but he also does a lot of things that only he can do. And then in turn, as a coach, I'm sure you see a 12 year old kid trying to run left and no look and this, that, and the other. Josh Allen's a freak um, because of, his athletic ability was running, and I mean, can throw it a country mile. Justin Herbert's kind of that same boat. Mm-hmm. Burrow. I mean, there's a bunch of young, there's a bunch of new young quarterbacks in the NFL that are that are pretty salty. But there is a fact though; it's a different game now for quarterbacks than it was back then, though. Right? Like Joe Montana, like he had to, like he got roughed up a little more, right? Yeah, I would say. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, it's more of an offensive. League now, it's, everything's kind of set up more for the offense. Not only just player safety side of things, but also, um, I mean, they call pass interference. You know, you can't play with the receivers as much as you did back in the Joe Montana days and things like that. So, I mean, that makes it easier for a quarterback because if they can't get their hands on the receivers as much, you got a little bit more windows to throw in and some of that type of stuff. So it is a way different ball game. And I mean, people just throw it a lot more now. Yeah. I mean, they're, you know, the running back, the, I mean, yes, in order to win a championship, you still need a good defense. You still need a good running game. But at the end of the day, you know, you got teams now throwing for 5,000 yards in the NFL really isn't that big of a deal. When Peyton and Tom Brady were kind of coming up, that was a big deal. When Dan Marino did it, Late, late, early '80s, late mid '80s. I mean, it was unheard of. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, it's just changed. Football's changed so much, and now, like I said, it's more of a passing league now than ever. Which, like I said, as, an, as a quarterback, and a, I mean, it makes it fun. Yeah. Let's go ahead and transition into the Ardmore game. So I was looking at the stats. Uh, shout out to David Dillingham. If you go to the 
Scoring summary. Michael Adesola, touchdown. Gabe Dittmeyer, extra point, good. Matthew Lund, touchdown, Dittmeyer, extra point, good. Lund, touchdown, Dittmeyer, extra point, good. Braxton Antuna, touchdown, Dittmeyer, extra point, good. Trey Crabtree, touchdown, Dittmeyer, extra point, good. Brody Morrison, 58-yard punt return, Dittmeyer, extra point, good. And I was looking at defense, and I was like, how do you uh, get the stats to identify how good they did other than how much? How many points are on the board for the other team, right? So if you look at the points of the team, they scored what two minutes left of the game, yeah. you know. And yeah, it was late. I guess that's how you justify defense. How good they did, right? I mean, I mean, defense is a, it, it's a lot harder to play now than even five, ten years ago. Yeah. I mean, just because there's so many. I mean, you got to be careful in the way that you hit because you got the helmet to helmet contact. You got the spear. You got the spearing thing. You've got. You know, pass interference is a whole lot more um, prevalent because you can't really get your hands on people. So, I mean, defense almost this day and age to me, I mean, you're almost kind of playing with one hand tied behind your back um, to a certain degree. Um, So, like I said, it makes it difficult. But but at the end of the day, you're not going to win without a defense. Well, you're just not going to. I mean, that's what sets us up at Elgin pretty good right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of times – like. Everybody inside the program understands that everything kind of starts with the defense. Um, but everybody on the outside, when you read the Oklahoma and the newspaper, all they do is talk about you know, how many points we've scored and this, that, and the other. And the offense is the shiny bells and whistles. Um, but but the, the defense and the offensive line and those type of guy in the running game is kind of where – you know, the hard hat and the wins really come from. Yeah, and Elgin is different than most places. And I've talked about it in the coach's office. Like, most places, the quarterback is, like, the star of the town. Here, it's like he's the last one. It's like defense and then rough riders, <laughs> running backs, and then just the rest of the guys. Well, I think, I think a lot of that, not even not even design, but I think a lot of it also has to do with Trace's, you know, his personality, his personality is, yeah. you know, when you when it comes down to it, I mean, people inside the locker room understand he's a leader because he really is. I mean, he but he's more of the example type leader. Follow me because I'm the first one here. I'm you know I'm the one that's always here every day and this that and the other. But he's I mean he's one of the last ones that's going to give a full blown speech in the locker room. About I don't what's think going he ever on. would. It, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I mean that's but I mean that works. And really, the only way it works is because you have the Colin Donnellys and the Keith. Keith Ferguson's and those guys that do that do have those you know boisterous personalities and some of that type of stuff because you had a team full of traces, be a problem. Then yeah, then you'd have some you know it would be a little different, weird. I think a great leader is going to learn how to lead regardless. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that, some of it is by design. Yeah, I mean, because he knows that that. I mean, you understand these kids. We talk about it all the time. They've been playing together since they're. Yeah. Seven or eight years old, so they know yeah. each other so well. So I mean, Trace could be a different Trace could be a different kid next year because next year, you know, he's only on. junior year. A lot of those guys are on. So now, hey, I I've got to be more like you said, a great leader adapts. I mean, now all of a sudden, I'm I am the guy. There's no more Matt Lund. There's no more um, Keith Ferguson. Some of those guys. So he may, you know, he may kind of flip a switch in him where he goes, okay, I got to be more vocal now, and, and it's, right. it'll be interesting to see. And he's not loud and vocal, but once they're in the huddle, he's in charge of it. Yeah, and, and, and the kids know that, and yeah. the kids love it. We talked about last week we was going to add in something different, the honors of the week for the players coming into the game. 
And we got uh, Captain Trace Laura. Captain Trace Laura. Man, what, we kind of vote on these things. As a staff, we all vote on it. And for some reason, they, they went to me first to be the first one to throw a name out. And I threw Trace out kind of jokingly because I didn't expect him to be on board. But also, I mean, he does deserve it. Yeah. He's never a problem. He does everything right. And he's just a good kid. And I threw it out there expecting to just get turned down immediately. And for whatever reason, everybody was on board with it. But yeah, I mean, Trace, like we've been talking about him as a leader and everything like that. He's a kid that's always on time, always there, doing what he's supposed to be doing. And maybe not everybody sees him as a raw, raw leader, but he is still a leader of the team. Talk a little bit. I mean, I, obviously when you – when you got here, you knew he was a two-year starter. I mean, you know, anybody that's applying for a job or whatnot kind of does some research yeah. and things. So talk a little bit about – I know we're five weeks in, so it's kind of a weird question, but kind of take us back to that with that spring when you first got here and kind of your initial thoughts or what you thought you were getting and then kind of the progression and where we are now. Yeah, I mean, my initial thoughts was I was coming into like a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. Just the hearing everything about how many games he started and how talented he is and, like, coach's kid and all those things, I was like, oh, this is going to be a breeze. I'm not going to do anything, um, which part of it was just kind of being a leader um, and maturing. Yeah. Maturing is a big thing we had to do over the offseason and through the summer and everything was when you have started that many games early on, you get that big head like most quarterbacks do right. and think they're good enough, and he had to kind of be – Shown and told that you know, there's still a long ways to go. And weight room was a big part of that, too. Yeah. He wasn't a huge fan of that when I first got there. And luckily, because I got a small position group, I got to just stand right next to him the whole workout every day yeah. and make sure he was getting it done. Well, and you can – I mean, we've talked about that several times during – he's one of those kids that that has matured in – and I, I would assume some of it comes back to the weight room because we talk about it sometimes. Him and Shea Spencer are, are the ones that pop to my head the most. Have kind of lost some of that babyness, and then, you know they yep. got mature, they grew into their bodies. And I mean, he looks a hundred times different than he did last year in pads and, and even without pads. I mean, like I said, he's he's growing into his body. He's, I don't know how old he is now, 16, 17 years old. And I mean, he's like I said, he just looks like a different kid right now. And playing like a different kid. Yeah. How does his adjustment goes when you come in and you start talking to him about this? How receptive was he? How did that work out? Uh, I mean, he was willing to be coached immediately first day. 100%. There wasn't ever really an adjustment period. If there was, it was probably more on, on my end. Because <laughs> as a coach, you have to learn a kid's personality before you can coach them as effective as possible. You have to know how they take certain types of coaching and just know enough about them to really create that relationship to where your word means something to them. We're going uh, past him, Black Flat Bear. Hunter Jackson. Hunter Jackson is a kid that I don't get to coach or talk to very often at all, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> uh, but he's, man, he just seems to always be doing the right thing. And he's never, I don't know if I've ever heard him even talk, really. He's just always playing football all the yeah. time. Every day, he's that. always on the field doing something. He's never in the back hanging out with everybody else while the scout team's out there or whatever. He is just playing football all the time. What about, uh, okay, practice player of the week, uh, uh, Zayden Roberts. Zayden Roberts. 
And I just knew Zayden from being in a sling all summer to start off with. I know, man. That's kind of my fault a little bit, dog. <laughs> we was at the we was at the summer tournament, and he came up to me and he said, uh, "He said, hey, uh, my shoulder's hurting." I said, like, "How bad is it, man? Like, how bad is it?" Let's talk about it, you know. And he, I said, like, "Do you think you could wrestle?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "All right, we'll go wrestle then." Come to find out, it wasn't as good as we anticipated. <laughs> so that's a little bit of my fault. Uh, but uh, but I just you know shout out to Zayden Roberts for being a being you know being a gamer man. He's always been a gamer man. I can remember when he was in you know wrestling youth tournaments and stuff. And uh, there's a couple of tough kids in his bracket, and he told me he said, "Coach, anybody can get it." Bet, <laughs> son. You know, right? I love it, man. He's he's the dude. So, but he's another kid that. I haven't just spent a whole lot of time with because I don't coach O line or D line right. or whatever. So your your responsibility is one hundred percent quarterback. Okay, I coach quarterback all the okay. time, and so and I run scout team with seven on seven, so that's how I get to know some of the receivers, right. and things like that, a little bit better. But for a lineman, for me to just really know a whole lot about, it's either from off the field talking to my Keith and Jace or whatever, right. or they're a problem a lot during practice, <laughs> in a good way or a bad way. <laughs> so, <laughs> Me yeah. not having a, a great relationship with Zayden means he's a good kid. <laughs> Before we uh, talk about the players of the week for uh, Ardmore, I just want to get your overall perspective of it. Of the game? Yeah. Um, it went about like we wanted it to for the most part. We knew what we were going into that week, and the whole point was let's just go in and execute, do what we got to do and get out kind yeah. of thing. And, you know, until that, you know, one throw, the second half of the game <laughs> – that's kind of how everything went, but it was great. Um, our mindsets were better than they had been in weeks past. We were kind of calm, but not too calm. We didn't get raw, raw. We didn't get down on ourselves. We just came in, did what we were supposed to do. Yeah. Got able to get a lot of people playing time, get them the ball. And it was just a good, clean night of football. Yeah. Time. I mean, it, talking to Coach White kind of after, he and I were kind of, you know, going back and forth a little bit about what we thought. And it was kind of like, we couldn't really, some of it was sloppy. But some of it was, it was, but like ultimately it was just kind of one of those we kind of settled on the word of efficient. You know, we knew what we we knew what we were going in there to do. We knew we had the capability of going in there and doing it not easily because any there's never a football game that's easy because I mean right. you, one play into the game something bad or can go wrong and then you know all hell breaks loose and then you're in a battle when you didn't think you were going to be. But so I would say efficient. I mean. 42 to 7, and what can you say about it? I mean, it's kind of funny if you think about it two years ago. I mean, and I've had this conversation with Coach White. It's like 42 to 7, but, you know, it's like how can you be upset? But but you're still going, We there's a lot we can improve on. And he goes, there's no way I would have said that three years ago, four years ago. I would have took the, you know, I would have been ecstatic. But, I mean, that just shows where we are as a team and where we are as a program. Yeah, and Trace went, what, 12 for 15? Yeah. Touchdown, seven, or just a great game all around, except for that one throw. But the mentality after that and leaving the game was not super positive, right? Because I mean, we just we can't ever be perfect, but we want to be as close as we can to it. What, what's his? I mean, I know before going into the game, it was like seventy-two percent, give or take. What is it now? Right, like seventy-four and a half. Or okay, something. and the goal is what seventy for the year. 70 okay, for the year. okay. Talk a little bit too. I mean, since we're kind of on that subject, we'll, 
he's a different quarterback this year. I mean, a lot of that I attribute to you. Because like I said, last year he was kind of coached by Coach Wyatt, and he had so many – Coach Wyatt had so many other things on his right. table. So, I mean, during the game, one thing that I love that I can see from the box upstairs, like a lot of times during the game last year – Trace had nobody to talk to because mm-hmm. Coach Wyatt had to be out there with defense to do this. So, I mean, it was kind of those hit and miss conversations, but but you kind of follow him around the whole time and you guys are kind of talking. So, I think that has helped his vision out some. I think that's kind of helped in between drives. He's still getting coaching and still learning. But talk about kind of his progression from last year to this year because it – it's night and day. Last year we threw ten touchdowns all year. Now we're up yeah. to what? Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Um, two interceptions. Two interceptions. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. And and both of them were not horrible interceptions. They weren't horrible, but they were. They were fi- they're fixable. As and the ball was in the wrong place, but it wasn't a necessarily a wrong read. Right. One of the ways I say it is that's that's old trees. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where the difference comes that's, that's in. One of the ways. That's okay. Trace. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've heard the other one. The, the, other, <laughs> the other way we yeah. describe one of the throws. But one thing too that I've noticed that he's done a lot better this year is kind of those intermediate. And I, to a certain degree now, almost sometimes I think he's fallen in love with them. I think he loves that little. Hey, because not many high school kids have touch. Yeah. Most high school kids, it's either I'm throwing it as hard and far as I can. And, or I'm throwing, you know, a hitch route. Yeah. But he's got that, which I didn't see much of last year, kind of that I'm getting it over the first level, but I'm getting it in between the first and second levels. Mm-hmm. And I think he's – and tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, sometimes I almost think like he relied – like that one to Peyton, probably should have thrown the swing. Yeah. Um, but, but, I mean – Talk about kind of some of those throws and some of those things and, and how that has now made him a much better complete quarterback. I think I think he always had the ability to make those throws. That wasn't something that mechanically we had to go fix to be able to make that throw. Okay. I think the bigger part is mentally on just when and where to make those throws for one and two, getting all the way through our progression. Because there was a lot of times last year where it's – one and Our guy can probably beat their guy. Okay. And it's just thrown. Not because it makes sense by the read or by the defense or coverage or anything, just because we think our guy is better than that guy. And we've gotten tried for the most part this year to just pretend like you got even teams on all Madden and we just got to win schematically. Yeah. Take what they give us, not what we think we could get. And talk to them. I mean, a lot of people don't under. Stand that concept that haven't played quarterback, haven't been around football. Talk to a little bit about like progressions and reads, and like I said, we might. I apologize to the audience in advance. We might get a little quarterback nerdy in here, <laughs> um, but it's fun to talk quarterback talk with somebody that understands what's going on. So talk to talk to me a little bit about you know what that means when you say working your progressions, working your th- working through your reads, and some of that type of stuff. Yeah, so. Our, any progression always starts pre-snap. Yeah. And that goes with you have to have the knowledge of understanding what leverage or how far away they are from the receiver and what all those things mean to kind of get an educated guess of what coverage you think they're running. Okay. And then you have to understand your own concepts of play A has the best chance of beating cover three. Okay. And things like that. And then 
we, because we're so, we're pure progression based, one, two, three, four, five on different concepts. Everybody knows what number they are in the progression. Yeah. And so it's really easy where pre-snap, especially your first read most of the time, you can tell pre-snap if it's there or not. Right. And yeah, because in high school, not many teams roll much. I mean, right. Not a, lot of, not a lot of rolling, not a lot of disguising. They, they pretty much get set where they need to be pre-snap. Okay. And so you got to know that. And I tell Trace, we do it in practice where he's got to, when we're in team, out loud a lot of times, I make him say each corner, how far is he, what depth, eyes, and leverage. Okay. On every single guy on the field, how many guys they have in the box. Just to make sure that we get in the game, it's it's just a pattern. It's a rhythm every time you get up there and see what you got. Wow. And a lot of times in high school, too, because they're not running crazy coverage for the most part. Right. You can look out and see open space on the field or green grass and know I should probably throw it there. Right. Nine times out of ten. Well, and like I said, I mean, last year it was very one, two, and that was it. Yeah. Now you can see kind of the and and for those that are listening, I mean, watch his feet and his head. So he'll start on the left and then work his way sometimes to the right, or he'll start on the right and work his way to the left. Now sometimes I mean, first is open. If the first is open, hey, I mean, get it to him right away. Yeah. But I mean, when you see him flipping his hips and feet and, and eyes, I mean, he's working through those progressions. And one thing he's done a lot better job of this year too is maneuvering in the pocket. Yep. Um, that I didn't see that much last year. Uh, last year was, you know, either take off and run or throw it away or sometimes throw it to the other team, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but now he's like that one to Brody. He stepped up and then kind of rolled out a little and then mm-hmm. floated it over the, over, the, over the linebacker's head there and got it to Brody. So, I mean – I mean, talk about some of the drills that gets him to that stage, and how how all that kind of comes in the how how all that comes comes into play. Yeah, I would say we spend probably the vast majority of our time working on footwork and pocket movement because I knew coming in that was his biggest. Yeah, couldn't do it. Yeah. And I watched all the film as soon as I was hired and had the film. I watched every pass play from the year before yeah. and kind of took my notes and knew that that was a big thing we had to work on. Um, That's the hardest thing for any quarterback. Yes. Footwork. I mean, when people think of quarterbacks, they think, how far can you throw it? And that's really – that's not really any part of – there's probably three – there could be three or four kids on the team that can throw it farther than Drake's. I don't know about farther, but pretty close to as far as you know. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, have no quarterback ability, have no athletic – you know. But, I mean, there's just some kids that can naturally just grab a football and throw it 60, 70 yards. But but you're – the mental side of it is is the biggest part, but you, but second to that, I mean, arm strength really is kind of last almost. Yeah. There's a lot of kids that don't have very good, that don't have very. Drew Brees didn't have a strong arm. Peyton Manning really didn't have that strong of an arm, but I mean, they knew where the ball was going to go, and their feet were always in the right position, and their shoulders were always in the right position. And then, really, if you throw even a fade route on time, catch, toe heel, get it out about. 32 yards as far as you got yeah. and it's on the money. Yeah. So you really don't need arm strength if you're really good mentally at everything. Yeah. You do. And talk a little bit too, I mean, because, yeah, we, Trace obviously gets the majority of of the looks and whatnot because, I mean, he's he's the guy and has been the guy now for a couple of years. But talk a little bit about the quarterback room and kind of some of those young kids that are coming up and what, what we can expect from them maybe in the future. Yeah, so the quarterback room, we're down to three now, actually. Okay. Just Trace and then the two freshmen, Jackson and Caden. 
And Jackson and Caden, the hard part about it is they're completely different quarterbacks. Yeah. Entirely different personalities, play styles, everything. Um, and they're both really good in their own ways, which makes it tough. And their personalities are different, and it's kind of one thing that the other guy's good at, the other guy's not as good at. And they're just alternating that. And I guess from what I've heard, they've been the same way since seventh grade. Like, <laughs> splitting reps, not really naming the starter. Right. right. Those are just the two quarterbacks all the time. And I kind of told them when I got here that somebody's going to have to be second string and somebody has to be third string. Yeah. Like that line has to be set. Somebody has to step up and somebody has to be. As the old saying is, if you got two, that means you don't have one. Right. <laughs> Every time. Um, but I mean, they're good. You know, they're freshmen. They make mistakes and, and do freshman things sometimes. But for the most part, they work really hard, um, and they're coachable, and they do what they need to do. When it comes to quarterback and like like correctable issues, what's the hardest to correct? Um, vision, vision with mentality, vision, being able to read a field and just know what's going on is the hardest thing. Right. And even coming down to like footwork and pocket movement, yeah. you can. I did it a lot kind of when I got there showing, like just walking through, you know, DN gets taken up this way. You want to move here, here, kind of walking through it. But in game time, you can't look at the defensive line. You got to be looking yeah. downfield at what's going on. So and they that, have to be able to just feel and kind of out of the peripherals know what's going on without actually looking. And it's really hard to teach that without yeah. just experiencing like, it. What age or I don't know, age is like, when, when did you feel comfortable with doing that yourselves? Uh, I. I would probably say, for me, junior year in college, I mean, because up until that point, I mean, I didn't start in high school. I didn't start as many games as Trace did. So I didn't start until I was a junior quarterback before me and then I'm going to Mississippi State. So I played I played some safety, but for the most part, I was just back up my freshman and sophomore year in high school. Um, so I only started my junior and senior year, played a decent amount. You know, as a freshman, sophomore, son, but I mean, kid went to Mississippi State, so yeah. I mean, it's not like I mean, he was a dog, so it's not like you know I was going to be a matter or anything like that. So you can do as much as you want in practice, but it's a whole nother. I mean, that's the one thing about practice. I mean, most quarterbacks are not live in practice, so you know when you're not live, it's easy to step up in a pocket yeah. and do all the pretty right. things and this and the other, and then you get in the game and somebody blindsides you and yeah. <laughs> you're kind of out of it. And you're going, okay, what up? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, I mean, like I said, so, so junior and senior year of high school, I mean, was was getting was getting better at it, but but my senior year kind of felt comfortable to a certain degree, but just wasn't I, – I relied more on athletic ability and whatnot um, to, to do that part of it. And then yeah. – then you go to college and everybody's way faster, way bigger, way stronger. So I, my freshman year, I played a decent amount as a true freshman, and I was just running around and checking my head cut off. You know, I was just like, turn the ball. Oh, God, he's coming. You know, it's just kind of one of those, it's almost like playing a video game in real life. So you're just trying to get rid of it. Probably the best thing that ever happened to me, and we talked about it a little bit. My sophomore year, when I transferred to North Alabama, my sophomore year thought I was going to come in and beat the kid out that played ahead of me. He ends up going to win the D2 Heisman. He's the head coach of Southern Miss now. Greg, one of my good friends, 5'8", 180 pounds, and runs a maybe a 5'1". If you ask him, he runs a 4 <laughs> um, um, But one of the D2 Heisman, and he taught me how to play 
quarterback. I was an I was I was you know I was more of a up until that point I was more of kind of your Brett Favre. I mean I got a great arm. I'm going to fit it in here some kind of way. I'm going to run around with chicken head cut off. I'm going to you know throw it under a hand and this that and the other. But he showed me watching him that year from the sideline showed me how to be a quarterback. Um, that it was all about touch and timing and footwork and some of that stuff. It made me a much better quarterback as a junior. And then second game of my junior year, AC, AC sprain. So now I can't throw it through a wall. I mean, up until that point, I mean, I can throw a ball 60, 70 yards, no problems, and can fit it in any gap I wanted to. Well, now I got an AC sprain and I can't. So now I really got to figure out you know, I gotta have my feet. You know, I, I gotta have my shoulder this way. I gotta have my feet there, and that's that's made me a better quarterback. So I would say, like I said, what till I was super comfortable it was not until probably midway through my junior year of college. Right. I mean, and I didn't make it to that point, so I don't know if I would have ever got super super comfortable. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think another way to maybe, maybe I should have worded that because since the, the audience we're looking at right now is like as far as a. A high school potential quarterback. Yeah. When, when should they look forward to feeling comfortable with that? And I think Trace is there now. Yeah, he's he's pretty close. I mean, he's still. I think he never freaks out in the pocket necessarily. No. And that's yeah. key for for. And I think last year right? he did. I think yeah, there was well, times last year he did. And that's when he would just turn and throw it. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, but now, I mean, you you understand now he's twenty six, twenty seven starts. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of starts for a high school quarterback. Right. I and I mean, he's still got 15, you know, 20 more, maybe. Yeah. The first time it kind of, which I was able to start week four or five my freshman year, and I played both sides of the ball, so like physicality wasn't something I was really scared of really. Right. Um, but I think probably the last three games of my sophomore year is when all of a sudden it went from like panic all the time to like, Oh, okay. Like, I know what I'm doing back here now. Yeah. I may have not always made the best decision on where to throw it or things like that, but as far as moving in the pocket or getting out I needed to, that seemed to slow down a little bit. But then it wasn't until senior year when it was finally like, I don't have to leave the pocket all the time. Right. right. Like, I can step up, step over, find a guy, yeah. and do all these things. Because your natural was, instinct is, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, a lot of times you run into trouble when you – get out of there and then you limit yourself to only that side of the field when you get out of there too right. and the senior year is when the second part came in of being able to move in the pocket but also know where your receivers are at the same yeah. time being able to say i need to move here and as soon as i make that move make that throw to this guy or that guy wherever the field is yeah yeah, and that's what I that's see. That's not panicking though. That, that's thinking though, right? Right, right. That's what I'm saying. That's that's thinking though. Like one of the things that I can't remember if we talked about with Castro on the podcast or if I just talked to him about it in person. But one one of the things that you get from the military is like, you know, if you're freaking out, your soldiers are freaking out, right? Yeah, so right. you got to keep a calm, collected. And I think we we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. With him and Keith, no. we did talk. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, I think Keith. it was him and Keith or something like that. Uh, but it's it's just one of the things, you know. He he said like, "Hey, look, do you see me freaking out? There's probably a reason for that. If you're yeah. freaking out on the football field, there's problems that's being caused right now." Yep. And and I can only think from the quarterback level. If you're freaking out, like we seen with Ardmore last year, you know, yeah. their quarterback was losing his shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was more important for the quarterback than a coach. 
Yeah, because coaches lose their temper. That happens. Yeah, and the quarterback that. most of the time has to be the guy to say, hey, you know, we're good. Let's get it back together. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, I was coaching middle school football yesterday, dog, and I was losing my stuff, and I had to check myself. <laughs> I even told Coach Brown afterwards, I was like, man, you know, I had a couple of bad moments there. You know, like, maybe, maybe I was, you know, because we always talk about kids' posture and stuff like that, yeah. you know what I mean, and, and showing the right direction. I was thinking, like, you know, I – you know, maybe I messed up, you know, too, you know, as well. So I, I need to – I think everybody needs to hold, hold yourself accountable regardless. Well, and going back to the quarterback side of that thing, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's that's the one thing that Trace has that a lot of the good ones do have is that always kind of – I mean, there's a lot of times you can look at Trace on the sideline you don't know what the score is. No, he got his flag. Which is good – Oh no no yeah he, he throws a touchdown don't get me wrong he I mean, he's flag. got he's got, yeah he but throws a touchdown he got but but then but then when he throws an interception though he's not coming to the sideline throwing his helmet and Which you know if he's getting sacked two or three times in the game he's not losing any yeah and some of that type of stuff because that's when as a quarterback you can lose a team quick uh, you start you know pointing fingers and. Yeah. You know, yeah. come, you know, y'all need, you know, doing some of that type of stuff. Yeah. Now, I mean, luckily he's got a pretty good group around him, which makes right. it a whole lot easier. Because, I mean, if, if he didn't, then maybe things would be different. But, I mean, that's where the good ones, they're never too high, they're never too low. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you get too low as a quarterback, you're bringing – not only just the offense down, but you bring the defense down too. Because now the defense is like, well, that dude can't get it. So we got to go out here and do something crazy because our, you know, <laughs> our quarterbacks, you know, over there throwing a fit. Yeah. And you, you won't see me get too crazy on the sidelines ever, I don't think. But I went from starting quarterback at Bridge Creek, where in three years I won four games, into Blanchard's senior year, we won either nine or ten games. But even then, from those seasons of constantly losing, had to learn how to be that yeah. steady all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that I don't know from experience because I wasn't there, but that I've heard Trace struggled with sometimes. And we did have some some moments and practices early on where he's getting too high or too low yeah. about different things. And I just tell him all the time, like, you throw a touchdown pass, go celebrate. Yeah. But don't, you know, go absolutely crazy, lose your mind, celebrate. Right. And if you throw an interception – Go try to make a tackle, do what you can, and you better come straight to me on the sidelines. I'll have the iPad, we're ready, let's And let's talk why, yeah. And that's, you know, an interception's gonna happen. Yeah. And I think this was before his first interception. Whatever game was that? Fourth game. Or no, Weatherford. Through in Weatherford, yeah. Weatherford. Before that game, we talked about the day before, like, hey, eventually you're gonna throw an interception. Yeah. And just the expectations of what happens following that. Yeah. Like, don't come crazy to the sidelines because then I'm going to be mad. If you throw an interception and come straight to me and we learn from it, we learn from it. Right. I'm not going to scream or yell or anything. Because it's going to happen. I mean, we talk about the vision and we've talked about this throughout this podcast. You can't see everything. Right. I mean, there, you know, there's there's times when people throw interceptions, and I'm talking about Trace, but just quarterbacks in general, and everybody is watching the game going, how could he have possibly missed that? And, you just do. I mean, it's yeah. just, just something happens one way or the other, whether it be, you know, you just, I mean, there's times you just don't see the guy. Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot you throw it right to him, and people are like, 
you gotta be kidding me. Oh, he's the worst quarterback ever. I mean, no. I mean, it, every good one. Tom Brady's throwing interception. Peyton Manning's throwing interception. I mean, Peyton Manning is rookie year led the NFL in interceptions. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. You're going to throw them. But like I said, it's how you bounce back from them. Yes. Don't make one into a four turnover game. Yeah. And that can happen quickly, too, if you are too high and too low. And the vision thing, come back to that for, for two reasons I can think of. One is you prepare all week expecting one thing to happen. Yeah. And so you're not you're thinking during the play, but you're really not thinking. Your preparation is yeah. is making everything happen without really having to think in the moment because you don't have time to really think in the moment. Yeah. So if the safety moves this way, the linebacker every on on film for the last three weeks that I've been watching moves this way. Yeah. So well, and sometimes that linebacker did the wrong thing and, <laughs> and he yeah. got lucky because you thought he was going to do the other thing, and then when, like I said, then you as a defensive coach you look at it and go. <laughs> You got lucky, you saw good because you ran the wrong. You yeah. ran the wrong way, and the quarterback read it, but he didn't see you because you shouldn't have been there. Right, and it's one of those type of things. I mean, that happens a lot too as quarterbacks. I mean, sometimes luck's a factor. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. Hey, hey, let's jump back in on the players of the week. Okay, mm-hmm. we start with offense. Could you hear, dog? Trey Crabtree, offensive Trey player. Trey Crabtree, man. Trey is a kid that. For some reason, doesn't play quarterback, so he's, I'm not his position coach. So we're not supposed to be really close. But me and Trey are really close. <laughs> That's my guy right there. And it started from, you know, every single day after practice, from spring ball until now, Trey Crabtree stays after with me, and he catches passes. And it's not running routes or whatever. It's like, hey, you're going to catch 20 passes right here in your chest, turn to your side, 20 catches here, 20 catches here, 20 over each shoulder. Every single day since I got there. Well, his hands have improved a ton. Right. And when I got there, everybody <laughs> said, hey, this kid's really fast, but, you know, his hands are iffy sometimes. Yeah. And now it might be because I'm the one that throws him as hard as I can at him from 10 yards away every day. <laughs> but, dude, if, if I got to trust anybody to catch a football on our team now, it's Trey. Uh, not, that's initiative. Not because he has the best hands, but because I know he's worked and I've seen him do it. Right. And, and, like, and we've talked about this, I think, too. I mean, hey. You had to say, hey, name one of the most improved players in the team. I mean, by far, I would say Trey Crabtree. Um, yeah. Like I said, was 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 with the team all last year. So, I mean, from the last year to this year, he's made a huge jump. Uh, Shea Spencer may be another one that I can think of on top of my head. But, but Trey – He's coming up next. On but Trey, uh, Trey, has, Trey has really, like I said, I mean, stepped up – I mean, like I said, an old running back that moved to receiver and now is catching everything and doing a good job there. Um, and it takes some pressure off of Mike. I mean, right. Mike this year isn't getting as many catches as last year. I think some teams are game planning for him, so they're kind of right. rolling his way. But now we're five weeks in, teams might stop some of that um, right. because Trey's doing as good as he is. And Brody's doing as good as he is. And Peyton, I mean, Peyton's doing a good job. Andre's doing a good job, too, on the receiving side of things. The only thing, he said, a lot last year was all Mike. Yeah. Um, where now, I mean, if you look at it, and we got seven or eight kids that have four or five catches, yeah. four or five catches and multiple touchdowns and, and some of that type of stuff. So when you get to that stage, makes your offense way more explosive because – I mean, you got Matt and Ritson back there too, as yeah. as the dogs running it. Yeah, so, yeah. so I mean, that makes as a defense, you're going. What do we do? Do we put eight in the box and try and cover yep. these guys in the back with three, 
But if we do that, then they're going here. If we put six in the box, then Matt Lund's going to go 99 yards. I mean, it's... Yeah, and, it's and Trace will tell you that we talk about that every week. Like, we have to be as efficient as possible with our passes because we're not going to get a lot of them because <laughs> we can run the ball <laughs> right. really well. Right. But, I mean, talk about that from a quarterback perspective. I mean, how much a running game like that that we have makes... Trace's job and your job as a quarterback coach so much easier. It makes nine day difference. Nine day difference because if you don't have a running game, teams are going to drop eight into coverage, and then you really you don't have any weak spots in the defense because they have eight in coverage, and it's pretty easy to cover the entire field that way. Right. But when they have to put six, seven, sometimes eight, eight into a box, right. it's it's easy. You have more receivers than they do DBs half the time. It's way easier. It's way easier to complete a pass one on one coverage right. than it is any yeah, other time. Especially when you get you know into play action things like that, which I can't tell you. Probably half of our touchdowns have came on play action yeah. this year. Yeah. Because we just run counter counter dive, just whatever. We're getting. I don't even know what the stats say. Probably nine yards a carry at least for Matt Lund this year. One of the prettiest things to watch is the fake outside zone. Back to the right, and Mike on the deep Come comeback. Yeah. Trace throws that ball about as good as anybody I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's kind of some of the baseball background or whatever, but, I mean, he flips the hips. Those the, That was that was a play that Mike had the touchdown, first touchdown of the game, yeah. I think it was. Um, and he threw, he threw several last year on that ball. But, I mean, that that's – up until this, up until this year, last year, that was like if we would run that, if he could throw everything on the, that way, I mean, that would be great. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that, that's like I said, built off the running game. Yeah. And but like I said, he does a great job of when he's coming downhill, flipping and and getting it yeah. out. Yeah, and that's something that's been kind of bread and butter. Yeah, for Trace. Forever, I forever. Think. But now he's kind of got those intermediate balls. He's got the comebacks. He's got the. One thing that we didn't do much of last year is kind of those dig routes and curl routes in the middle of the field that now he's right. gotten in the crossers and things. So now, which, which that just gets back to getting through your progression, right? At the same time, too. But it also gets back to a good running game because yeah. a lot of those are coming off of a play action, so the linebackers are sucking up, and then he's getting yeah. in between the linebackers and the safeties. Yeah, and, and we know a lot of time on the headset, my job is. Hey, the linebackers are just coming straight downhill. Can we throw a ball? Right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're teeing off on us. Yeah. Let's get one right here. Uh, defense player of the week. Shea Spencer. Yes. Now, I don't know much about him on defense because I don't coach defense. I do nothing with the defense. He's the most improved, most improved player on defense. But offensively, he's a freak athlete that I did not know he was until Friday night started happening. But I've never seen a kid so consistently get downfield and block a DB than Shea Spencer. And he's he's mean, dude. He tries to fight me all the time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> he's I a dog, that. man. He, you know, he come back and wrestled last year. Uh, but, I mean, uh, you're, the, you're the, what, third or fourth coach that's come in here and explicitly said he's yeah. a freak of an athlete. Yeah. And, I mean – you can see, like you said, it shows up big time on Fridays. Yeah, uh, it shows up a lot on the offensive line, but it shows up a ton on the defensive line. Yeah, man, he, he he's a beast, man. Uh, 
you know, just looking looking at it from a wrestling standpoint and then coming into football, I mean, you know, when 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 Richardson got that interception at Reno, you know, Shay was down there, dog. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. She was down there and you know, it just I don't know, man. It's just crazy, man. He's such a cool cat too. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, his, he dances in between yeah, you know, series. Yeah. Like, you know, so I mean, some of that just, I got it. You know, it's not professional and stuff. No, but, I mean, but at the end of the I day, love man, I love it. Hey, it's celebrate, dog. Celebrate. It's not too much. Yeah, like you celebrate. said, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't do it um, in anybody's face. Right. Right. It's not taunting. It's, it's just not. Taunting. Taunting. It's yeah. It's just him. I mean, yeah, it's, man. It's a cool deal. Yeah, celebrate your victories, man. Yeah. I think that, that I think it's important. Sharpen your axe award. Kobe Morton. Kobe Morton. Yeah. Big game for him last week. Big game for him, which is impressive because he had to change positions this year. Yeah. Kind of last minute. Not only, yeah, change positions, numbers, numbers the whole nine right. yards. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just talking about that in the office, about moving somebody to offensive line, and I'm sitting back there thinking, nobody's going to be happy about that. No. There's no kid that's ever going to be happy about that. Did he, but, did but he, he have was. a position on offense or – or was he just purely a linebacker? I defense? think he was mostly defense. Okay. He, he was probably working with tight ends, but it was clear that he's a defensive guy yeah. okay. for the most part. But, I mean, Coach Castro told him he was coming over to the offensive line, and he was he was all for it. But, I mean, that's the type of kid. I mean, talk a little bit about that because, I mean, your last stop, you know, probably wasn't necessarily all the kids weren't probably as necessarily bought in as these kids. Right. Um, so talk a little bit about that part of it, like the Kobe Mortons and the the, the special teams player of the week last week. Uh, was it last week? Was it Price Morton? No, twenty one. Um, oh. Uh, no, it was a prospect, wasn't it? No, number 21. Who's Dylan Brown. Dylan Brown. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like Brown. kids like that, I mean. We'll edit that out. Dylan Brown. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, kids like Kobe Martin, Dylan Brown, I mean, that have complete buy in. I mean, talk about kind of the difference, like how, just talk about the difference of it as, as a coach and, 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 and kind of the difference between your life. Nothing against your last place, but I mean, right. I don't, I don't think you had some of the buy-in that you have at some of these kids here, and, and talk about how that makes it yeah. different coaching, right? And then, I mean, just to touch base on, you know, last place I was at, you know, it's not that they're bad kids, no. but it's there's not a culture of football right. there, and so you have kids that really want to be good at football and they want to win games, but it's still they don't understand the team aspect of it as much, and. Coming from Bridge Creek to Blanchard is when I kind of learned that, like, man, there is towns filled with kids that just really care about football. <laughs> and it's more about football for this team in this town than anything else individually. And I didn't think I would ever get someplace like that, to be completely honest with you. And I definitely didn't think Elgin was going to be that place because they were not that place when I was in high school. Right. And I showed up, and it's been – I couldn't have dreamt up a better opportunity of a place to work. Just all these kids. I mean, we never have discipline problems or grade problems. If we do, there's something minor, and it's it's settled really quickly. And just from top to bottom, the entire roster, it's all about Elgin football. And that's, I mean, and as a coach, I mean, that's got to be a that's got to be a cool thing because I mean, now you're only like you said earlier, you got to know the kid before. You get down to coaching them the fundamentals and this, that, and the other, you yeah. know, the kid's attitude. But if you kind of know 
that all the kids have this attitude of what does it take to win coach? I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, that you're not having to coach the, you know, coach the turd right. out of them and some yeah, of that type of stuff as coaches would say. And that's the great part. At Oklahoma City, you spend so much time kind of babysitting, babysitting and coddling attitudes when you try to coach them or things aren't going great and you have to tell them you're either moving positions or you're benched or whatever and then you're not coaching football anymore. No. Here all the time, it's yeah. you're coaching football nonstop. Wow. And if I have to say, you know, hey, you're like we just had a, a kid move from the quarterback room back to the wide receiver room, and that was a seamless. Hey, this is what's going on. Okay, awesome, cool. And he's right there, and he's all for it, and just whatever makes us better, coach. Yeah. And then you're right back to coaching football. You're not wasting time with distractions or anything else. That's awesome. No, I think it's a big point too. Is you know, I think sometimes it's. You know, with the game of football, sometimes you got to be put in a position you're best for the team, right? Yeah. And, and I think and kid, 16, 17-year-old kids sometimes don't, don't get that. Exactly, 100%. Yeah. I don't think they get that. You know what I mean? It's like, this has been my position for the last two years, coach. And there's never, so I'm going to be mad now. Yeah. There's never, never hey, you should be better over here, you know? And kids need to understand, there's never a time where a coach is doing anything to purposely put you in a bad position. Oh, right? I mean, if I'm asking you to, you know, if you've been the star running back in first through sixth grade, and now you weigh two oh five. If I ask you to move to yeah. guard, yeah. I'm not. I mean, I don't. It's not that I don't want you to be a running back, but you're going to best suit us yeah. at right guard because, yeah. hey, brother, you two oh five now. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. in sixth grade. I mean, and you know, I'm not saying that there can't be two hundred five pound sixth grade quarterbacks, right. but, but I mean, not. you're. Pre- when they're young, I mean, projected out potentially to the future when they get today. But I mean, even as a junior or senior, if a coach asks you to move position, a you should look at it as a great thing because you're athletic. You're athletic enough to play another position, and b you know we're trying to put you in the best position for our team, but also you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you're not going to play. You know. If I'm moving you to another position, that means you're not playing at this position. So I'm thinking you have an opportunity to potentially play at this position. Absolutely. If you can stay at running back if you want, then go to another school. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the one cool thing about this place and the kids here, you know, and the buy-in, of, you know, and the parents and whatever else is they get that concept. It's not, all right, I'm out of here. You know, right. Well, I think it's interesting the coaches too. Like, you know, we, we've had – we, we've had middle school kids, you know, Jay, you know, mm-hmm. Jay, Jay's a hell of an athlete, you know what I mean? He can throw the hell out of the ball, you know what I mean? But this year it's kind of just in the car for him to be running back, you know what I mean? I mean, right. it's just what it was. And, you know, I look at, you know, the game against Altus, you know what I mean? Like, he ran his ass off. He did really good, you know what I mean? Uh, we moved him to Rover. Uh, and uh, man, he did a hell of a job on defense too. Man, that kid has a lot of potential, man. Yeah. Of potential. But yeah, but he never bitched or complained either. You know what I mean? It was, hey, I'm here to play. You know yeah. I mean? What do you need me to do, coach? Trust in your coaches because at the end of the day, at the end of the day too. I mean, this is you guys' livelihood. Yeah. So you're not putting anybody in a bad position. I mean, because at the end of the day, I mean, you lose ball games, you don't do things right, you don't have the support of the family. Yeah, we get paid to do this. You get fired, <laughs> you know, and then I'm looking for a new job. So, hey, Coach, you mentioned that last time. That's what I'm saying. So it's not one of those, it's not a situation where, 
we have a vend- no, we, but you have a vendetta against kid or this, that, and the other. We want you to obviously excel at whatever position that you're in. And if we ask you to move to that position, we see something in you that will be better at the position than you're in. And I mean, it's great when kids can play multiple positions. Right. I mean, if you're athletic enough to, you know, move from quarterback to this or that or running back to this, you know, Kobe Morton from, you know, linebacker to offensive line. I mean, that goes a long way. I mean, so, but going back to Kobe, I mean, that an incredible game. I mean, stepped in, I mean, you know, and kind of seamless. I mean, they, they, Ardmore wasn't, you know, I mean, they scored that touchdown with a minute and something left. But outside of that, I mean, really couldn't move the ball on us all night. And I mean, Colin did a great job on defense. I mean, Colin and so did Kobe kind of in that spot. Kaysen did a good job as well. And then the D front, I mean, always does a good job with, with everything that they do. Right. I know the defensive guys hate we haven't had that many shutouts this year. But if you look at the numbers, we're still like, we'll give up. Less than a hundred total yards in a game, but they score late. On but the sh- and the shutouts. I mean, I hate it. For I, Jack could probably care less. I mean, I know he. I know he loves the zero on the board. But at the end yeah. of the day, it, every touchdown outside of El Reno, outside of the two, the, the mm-hmm. two early, the two first half touchdowns in El Reno, because the third one was a fluke and it was on special teams, yeah. so you can't give that one to defense. But I mean, nobody's really scored. In meaningful situations, other than El Reno, I mean, El, and Argo didn't score. Cash scored with what three, four minutes left in the game, maybe give or take. Right. I think El Reno is the only team that scored when purely when the game was, was kind of still, still in. Going, yeah, yeah and the game was still in. You know, a situation where where it was in doubt. Right. Um, so yeah, okay, you don't have the zero on the board, but I mean. Yeah, the stats show it. Like you said, 100 whatever yards a game. I mean, one thing that they're doing a much better job of this year is, is the turnover side of things. I mean, they're creating multiple turnovers pretty much every game. Yeah. Um, which last year, I mean, that was one of the big emphases this year was kind of getting those turnovers, and they're doing a much better job of that. And I mean, it'll get tougher as we go. I mean, we've got some, we've got some, some ones coming up in a couple of weeks that I mean. Altus, you know, will present a little bit of a problem, but um, Noble, Noble obviously can score. I mean, they scored sixty something with instead of El Reno, but <clears throat> we got to get prepared. Man, that El Reno uh, running back is five twenty one. Yeah, five hundred twenty. That El Reno quarterback, our running back, that El Reno running back just missed. No, a lot of stuff up. Yeah, <laughs> and I've, I've seen their conflict on if he set the state record or not. So is it a conflict now? There's conflict now. Somebody put it out, and they had a newspaper article. So they said that he had the state record because it was five twenty one, five twenty one. Okay, and um, but it, so somebody said I don't remember what school, but it was it was eleven man, but it was like it was a really low level, and they had a newspaper article from I think twenty twenty one where their quarterback had ran for five twenty three. Oh, so now they're coming back and saying like, hey. Say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. I read them embellishing the truth a little. <laughs> hey, man. That, hey, man. <laughs> I ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> um, uh, you know, hopefully they're okay. <laughs> so let's get back into uh, the players of the week. Uh, let's go with a special team player, Brody Morrison. Brody Morrison. 
man, he's a kid that I think any given Friday night could win special teams, offense, or defense. Yeah. Yeah. He, does, he, does, he does so many things for us. And really, if he's if we're not so good on offense, he probably has an insane amount of catches and yards on offense this year. Well, I mean, he, he if Trace is there, he's probably your quarterback too. I mean, he's, yeah. he's, I mean, he's I that good of an athlete. Yeah, I mean, he's that good of an athlete to where he excelled last year as a freshman at safety, and that was really his only job last year. Now, you know, we've talked about it kind of all off season. Like he he had the he had the. He had a punt. What did he have last year? A punt return, an interception return, maybe a fumble return for a touchdown. So this year was kind of like, let's get the ball in his hands some. Right. Um, and now that we do get the ball in his hands some, I mean, I know he wants to fumble back, but that was a great play by the yeah. defense. Um, but uh, now that we get the ball in his hand, I mean, it's it's pretty fun to watch once he gets it. I mean, he hasn't had many opportunities at the punt return game. And when he gets it, he takes it to the house. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is that when it comes to a football player? Uh, if I if I'm missing the name up, I'm sorry, but Percy Harvin, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so what what is the char- characteristic of that that makes you a good returner? Other kickoff or punt return? What is that? It's instincts. I mean, it's not being able to get touched in a phone booth. I mean, it's it, there's a lot to it. Vision. Um, it, Percy Harvin had a ton of speed. But there's not a, there's some returners that just necessarily don't have a ton of speed. It, it's different kind of for for different types of returners. But ultimately, it it comes to vision, and most of it is just God given athletic ability more yeah. than anything. Right. I mean, because that's one of the only type of plays. You really don't know what you have until game time, right? Because you, you can't go you can't out. You can't. You can't coach returning. No. You can coach. I mean, you can coach catching the ball. You can coach catching the ball that, and blocking. You can coach all. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's always going to be different, though. It, it's whether or not the kid at five years old was good. And, you know, tag. There's a lot of stories about that that individual. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, stories about that individual where you know, like he didn't. Like he didn't play for a year, you know right? What I mean, and, and he come out and he scores a touchdown. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I got returned. So like I, some some of that, I don't know. It's just weird, you know. It's an innate built for it. It's a it, it's built and it's an innate deal because I play college ball with a kid who holds the D two record for returns. He had kick returns, punt returns. Ran a four eight. A four eight in college is not fast. Not even close to fast. not even close to fast. He ran a four eight, and then and played played never played in the game. Played two was on the roster for two seasons with the Saints um, as a uh, practice player. Four eight, but we were, get a kickoff or get a return, get a punt return, and couldn't tackle him. No idea why. And running down the sideline, and it might be the flying ten deal that we talked about last week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. I, yeah. at that point, they really weren't testing flying ten stuff like that. So I don't know right. what his game speed was, but when he put his hand on the track and ran for NFL scouts as a four A, yeah. I mean, his junior, senior, and then the whole time he was in the league. But you gave him a ball on the football field, and nobody could tackle the kid, and nobody could touch the kid, and it, I can't explain why. But it just and Brody kind of has when he, he gets ball in the open yeah. field. It's just this 
You know, and it's not like it, like I said, it's not like he's the fastest kid on the team. And it's not, there's something, it's not textbook like juke or spin. They just move in weird ways. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple times where it looked like he was going to get tackled. Like you said, was, did not put his foot in the ground and, you know, make a kid fall or anything. He just kind of, you know, moved the left shoulder just slightly, and the kid ran yeah. by him. And it's just yeah. one of those weird it's not all speed. Either. Yeah, like I played with with Jamie Nance in high school playing. He went to Nebraska, Utah State. He ran a four three seven, and he was crazy, unreal fast. And he did those weird oh, things. Where he just, remember, yeah, where he just moved weird, and people just couldn't touch him. But then I played with at OBU my sweet mate, same recruiting class, Keelan Harris, ended up. Went to a training camp with the Falcons, made it to final cuts. I don't know if he's practice squad now or whatever, but I think he ran a four six something on his pro day. But he's he looks the same way. They just have this way they move about him and just to make people miss so effortlessly. Yeah. And they just look crazy fast, like they're not even touching the ground. But it's just a, some way they move, yeah. some just natural athletic ability that I wish I had. And there's and there's no way to coach it because I mean special teams is one of those deals where you practice it, but ninety five percent of the time you're either practicing it on air or you're practicing yeah. it with light. You're not going full speed because I mean you don't want to get anybody. Right. I mean special right. teams is where people can get hurt. So the, that's that's one of the things like during a game like you never expect. Like a Brody to return upon, or because you don't know what you have in that in that situation. But like I said, I mean, even on the even on the one now, yeah, he fumbled on the one yard line. But even that run was like, how the hell did he get to the one yeah. yard line? I mean, it's just this. Like I said, I mean, yeah, he's fast and he's athletic, but it's just like I said, one of the, 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 a shoulder move here, a, you know, a dip there, and and just hard to tackle for some reason. So, uh, players of the week, rough rider, Carson Hitt. Carson Hitt, big center right there in the middle. Yeah. Man, Carson Hitt does not act like the rest of the line. <laughs> you are correct that. there. He is probably the only starting offensive lineman that hasn't threatened to fight me at least once. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Which is... I mean, a lot of times, kind of how the center is, though. He's the quarterback of the offensive line. line. He's right. the brains of the operation. The other four guys, they're the brawn. They just yeah. they just go hit people. They don't, and, and talk a little bit about that because, I mean, a lot of people probably don't understand that aspect of it. But talk about kind of some of the things that, that a center has to do that makes his strong buddies around him yeah. so much better. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm not a guru of offensive line by any means. Right. But I know, you know, a lot of times different schemes, pass game, anytime you're blocking somebody, you have a count that starts. That's kind of why your NFL quarterback ID in the mic. Yeah. So that's four, my count. Seven, my, yeah. But most times in high school, that's the center. Yeah. The center has to say where the count starts. And so everybody has to know off what the center says who they're blocking. And then, first of all, the hardest thing to do is snap, snap the ball and be able to block somebody at the oh, same man. time. Yeah. And, 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 do we take 100% of our – are we in the second 100% of the time? 100% of the time. Okay. So, yeah, people don't understand. I mean, you got your, you don't have your head between your legs. But, I mean, 
you're, you know, everybody else has either got their hand down or kind of in a stance, and you're right. having to do something before, yeah, and you got to make like, sure that it's a good snap every time. Yeah, I mean, even without having a good snap part, it's almost like you tied your hand behind your back for the first second and a half of every play. Right. Because you don't have You it. don't have that right hand. And yeah. you can't, can't be moving. you got to make a snap and then yeah. get to where you need to be. And I couldn't do it. Most people can't. Right. And it's awesome to – I don't think I've one time this year worried about getting a snap. No. Ever. Not even in practice, on air, in a game, never has it has there been a problem with getting snaps. And like I said, he's the most unassuming, just He's so laid back yeah, yeah, all the time. Um I don't know much I don't know I don't know much about the personality with freshman uh Begley. I don't know much about him. I haven't really talked to him much. I don't know what his personality but yeah. Carson's is just like I said, complete opposites of J.J. Keith and Shea. Yeah. And Begley's kind of a mixture of both, of like Carson and the other guys. But Begley's only but a freshman, he's, so he's it's hard like for him. Yeah, it's hard for him to. So Maybe can be a dog, though, man. He's, oh, I think he's good. I mean, oh, he's okay. a freshman. He's good. He's, yeah. good, he's a starting freshman. On a really, really good football On a really good football, good football team. team. Yeah. On a really good offensive line, and you don't know that he's a freshman. Right. No, yeah, he, he doesn't make the. Yeah, he's gonna be very. He's gonna be a very, very good football player. Yeah, he's I think he's laid back because he's the freshman. Yeah, I think and he's gonna so have. That he kind of knows, like, okay, he's not the alpha on right. the offensive line. Right. I but think it's coming. He he gets after it. He's got he's got that nasty in him. For oh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think by junior year, or so it, it's coming. Yeah. Um, because I mean, it's and I mean, you talk about the offensive line as whole. I mean, use Keith, use Carson. But then you still have the other three back, and then you got the the was he a freshman this year? The one that the one that got injured, uh, CJ. Yeah. So I mean, you got him. Who I mean, I hear good things about him. So I mean, I yeah. think the offensive line's going to be in pretty good hands in the next couple of years. I just want to say, I, I've seen Hud bang with state champions in the wrestling. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he he's got a dog in him. Yeah. But I just don't. He doesn't have to be a dog right now. Yeah, he's a freshman. Yeah, right. He's going to be though. But yeah, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, because yeah. you know, you got to understand how much confidence he has probably right now as a freshman, and has like I said, there's no drop off. I mean, him and Shay handle that right side just as well as Keith and yeah, Jace yeah. do on that left side. I mean, Jace and Keith get all the recognition because they're you know the older kids and the big dogs and all that kind of stuff. But I mean. There's really no drop off when you talk about. I mean, when you look at our games, I mean, Trace is not getting much pressure on the offensive side. And then obviously, our running game speaks for itself. I mean, yeah. very rarely do we have lost yardage plays, right. and that makes it so much easier as an offense for the offensive coaching staff. Because I mean, second and six, second and three. Is way easier to call plays than second and ten or <laughs> second and twelve because yeah. um, then it leaves the whole playbook open. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to watching him. You know, sophomore, junior, senior year, kind of moving up, and then he said, "But congratulations, to Casey, because I mean, uh, Carson, because I mean, he's just he's the glue that kind of holds it together. Like I said, he's mm-hmm. kind of that trace of the offensive line, yeah. that even keel, nothing ever really." rattles him or gets to him and uh, he does a good job. Like I said, the biggest part of it is we don't have to worry about the snapping part. Which I don't think a lot of teams can say that no. at the high school level. No, because you see it every we see it every Friday. And not necessarily some but against some of the teams we play, 
I mean, pretty much every snap is right here on Trace. And when every snap is right here, you got to understand, we run a lot of outside zone. And if that snap is not right here, You're Trace getting isn't getting the ball to right. Matt. Trace isn't getting the ball to Ritson. You know, if that snap is at Trace's ankles, that messes up the entire play. Yep. That ball's, you know, to the right, to the left, whatever. That messes up the entire play. And we see a lot of that when we play other teams. You know, if it's off by, I mean, three inches, I mean, if we're running outside zone to the left and you snap the ball over here, Trace isn't getting the ball to Lund, to Matt. And, I mean, that – so – that makes it, I mean, like I said, he does a great job blocking, but I mean, that's the biggest, biggest asset that we have for that. Before we get to, uh, and this shows you just brought that up, but like, what is it with, uh, like quarterbacks, like if they can't see the ball on the snap? What do you mean if they can't see the ball? If, for example, if, if the ball snapped and then all of a sudden it's a quick reaction, like, how does somebody come out of that? I know what you're referring to. Yes. Um, and we haven't quite solved that one yet. But what but, is that, though? I, I mean, there's, I don't get it. there's a lot of things that can lead to that. It's not necessarily you're not seeing it, like, physically, but it's a quarterback's brain, until they're confident and prepared and know what's going on, yeah. is going crazy pre-snap. You're trying to remember is that what play. You're trying to look at everything. You yeah. don't know what – and you're just kind of panicked. And then, I mean, even a lot of times you can catch yourself saying the cadence before you're even ready. Yeah. Which I've had to teach from the seventh grade quarterbacks all the way to Trace. Yeah. No matter what, in any situation, you control the cadence. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. ever snap the ball until you're ready. Right. Yeah. You're in charge of that. Yeah. And I mean, and you've got to make sure everybody's set. You got to make sure everybody's in the right positions. You got to make sure all the receivers are, if, if one's supposed to be on the ball, one's supposed to be off the ball, you've got to, as a quarterback, you, you're the conductor. So you got to make sure all that's going on. And like I said, if for a young kid, you're trying to figure all that out. And like I said, oh, well, okay, so they're in cover two. And, and then all of a sudden you get the ball and you go, what was the fucking play? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, like I said, as a young kid, I, I can see that. And then on top of it, like I said, if those snaps come in hotter, about yeah. over jet, you know, or if it comes in this way. like I mean, because if you got a good center as a shotgun quarterback, I mean, you can almost – take off as the ball's coming to you because you know every time it's going to be right there. So on that outside zone, if you watch in our games, Trace is kind of leaving sometimes before the ball's getting there because he knows Carson's going to put it there. So he's false stepping to kind of, I want to get Matt as far outside as possible. I don't want Matt to be waiting for me or Ritson to be waiting for me because the last thing you want is, Matt to be going downhill as fast as he is and have to, you know, stutter and wait because, you know, Trace hasn't gotten there yet. And consistency is super important. If you watch Trace pregame, because we do pat and go to warm up pregame every single week, never fails. But at some point, quarterbacks switch sides, which means he goes from Carson snapping to him to somebody else snapping to him. And it's probably, he probably hates him. If everything's fine with Carson snapping to him, but as soon as he switches over, you see him. He'll botch one here and there. He'll drop it, or he just looks weird and uneasy. He's complaining about the snap because you take so many snaps throughout the week. Yeah. You don't think about that snap anymore. Right. You're used to the same exact right. The even same if location. it's even if it's the same spot or how hard you snap it, there's timing too. Where when I say go, 
sinners are going to have different reaction time yeah. to the word go. And you're just used to all of that at the same time. And as soon as it switches, throws everything off. Yeah. 100%. Uh, I talked to Vincent earlier. Uh, and one of the subjects we was talking about is, is, is you being a new guy. Mm-hmm. You want to expand on that? Yeah, because, I mean, obviously... Return pretty yeah everybody everybody um, so you're you're the only you're the only new guy on staff. Yeah. A first of all, when you think of five A football and a number four ranked team in the state, would you think of a coaching staff the size of you guys? Absolutely. Not. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand that you guys are doing how much. The, the size of the staff, and what I mean by that is the amount of coaches on the staff. I mean, you guys have about as many coaches on staff as some 3A schools. Right. Um, a lot of 3A schools probably have more. Right. Um, so it's a testament to you guys, first of all. Um, congratulations on that. And just think about it. You weren't here last year, so it was even one less. Yes. Uh, um, but talk a little bit just about the staff. And, and I mean, obviously, you're the outsider coming in, so those guys have kind of built a rapport and things. But... Just talk about the staff as a whole. Um, I mean, obviously, everything starts up top with Coach Wyatt yeah. uh, being the head coach. I mean, obviously, obviously, something drew you to, to, to take this job. Um, so just talk about the staff as a whole and, and I mean, kind of what you're learning from those guys because you're kind of new into this yeah. into this into this um, profession. Um, so just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I mean, first of all, just staff as a whole is incredible like really i mean i haven't been around a lot for very long or different places but the biggest thing is i've told those guys is so the place on the school i'm coming from we have seven coaches same amount i think that's the right number seven um and we were 682 but our roster size was never more than 30 and it was chaos all the time (laughs) <laughs> we need more coaches. We can't handle this. Everything's unorganized. It's wild. I come here and we got, what, 70, 80 kids on the team, same amount of yeah. coaches. And I never, ever feel panicked or unprepared or unorganized or anything because top to bottom, we don't have anybody on staff that is, you know, hey, you got to kind of help that guy out or watch what that guy's doing. Right. Because everybody is, and Coach Wyatt says it all the time, and a lot of people probably say it, but it's not. 100% true is you're the head coach of your position. Yeah. And being able to say that and really believe it when we say it and trust it makes every difference in the world. And talk about that and expand on that a little if you don't mind just to kind of so that way people understand that aspect of it. I mean, if if you can't expand on it, I mean, as far as being the head coach of your position, yeah. I mean, that just means that so like for me, I coach quarterbacks. Anything that happens from attendance to grades to your attitude, practice, everything, I can handle that and nobody else has to get involved necessarily. I can coach it. I can prepare it. Everything top to bottom, I got it. Wide receivers, Coach Wyatt's got that. Running backs, Lance has them. I never have tried to coach a running back on anything, not one time. And that just makes it where before, which I was also the OC the one year, but even before then, I'm kind of peeking to what our wide receiver's doing. Or, dang, he's not telling them that right. Let me go over there and tell that kid how to do this. 
But it requires accountability from you guys. So, I mean, it yeah. accounts trust from Coach Wyatt to make sure that you guys are all on the same page. And, I mean, and that, that shows him as a leader because, like I said, I mean, most head coaches that I know are micromanagers. And, I mean, I've got to have my hand in it. Yeah. And he does. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he, he knows everything that's going on in the entire program. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of coaches, coaches are control freaks. Right. So, most head coaches will not – allow that or want that so that's a pretty cool description of it yeah and and that comes down to i mean preparation for one we all we meet i mean seven days a week we're up there working yeah and that comes down to we all have the same game plan every single day of what we need to work on what we need to get better on how we're going to do it kind of thing and so he doesn't have to sit there and really worry about what drills are you doing individual because he can trust that, hey, my plan and your plan, our vision is for this to get done. And he can just trust that that coach gets it done. And now I've had interviews where head coaches say every week, come in on Sunday, and I'm going to tell you what drills, yeah. what drills you're running and everything yeah. every day of the week. Right. And, and that's those micromanagers that right. control and, free. And Coach Wyatt yeah. probably could do that if he wanted to. Right. So if say I just I'm not getting the job done, Coach Wyatt could say, Okay, you need to do this, this, this and that right. every single day. Well. Talk a little bit about kind of how talk about the offense. I mean, you're only on the offensive side, so we'll stick to the offense. Talk about kind of the week preparation of getting the game plan in place from an offensive perspective. Um, I mean, obviously the game's on Friday, that's finished, that's done. And then kind of talk us through Saturday and Sunday because I mean yeah. I don't think I don't think a lot of people understand how much work y'all put in on those Saturdays and Sundays getting everything ready for right like this week okay we just finished Ardmore well you know Altus is is Friday so I mean talk us through kind of some of that stuff yeah and I'm sure most people agree weekends are never long enough <laughs> uh, it's, it's a really quick turnaround from late night Friday night and Coach White or anybody else will tell you. We, we act like we go straight home and go to sleep after the game. No. It never happens. <laughs> we're, we're watching film, and we're always thinking ahead and trying to get better at what we can get better at. And then we're right back up bright and early Saturday morning. We watch film with the guys. And as soon as we're done watching film, that week's dead. Right. It doesn't get talked about. We don't. Nothing. Right. We're straight on to the next week. And they head out. We kind of sit in there and hang around for probably – a few hours just kind of watching film at our own desk, just watching it, kind of bouncing ideas off each other, talking about of, of the next of the next, next week. Okay. The next week, scout film that we yeah. got. Yeah. And then Sunday we'll come in and again, we may not be in the office all day Saturday, but we go home and we're either thinking about it, yeah. we're watching film and we're getting everything ready for Sunday. We meet up and we'll spend a couple hours going over everything we see, everything that team that we're facing is going to do, and what we do against it. And then we go formation by formation. Every run play, every pass play, every situation, what we like, what we don't like, things we need to install or take out or change. And it's all for the entire week. By the time we come, really, before we go to bed Sunday, everything's set in stone. Okay. And... That's not a lot of time to get it done. And then on, and then Monday, you get the kids back, and that's kind of yeah. the install. Monday, you get the kids back, and yeah. whatever you tell them, whatever you install has to be right. Right. Because I can't tell, you know, hey, they run a four-two-five cover-three defense all the time, no matter what. 
on Monday, and then Tuesday come. Oh, well, actually, they run a three-three right. cover four, and it's you know not nothing like what we just wasted yeah. a whole day on because you can't waste days in no, high football. No, no, I mean especially no. like like next week. I mean we got that now. Next week is a little bit different of a week because it's fall break, so the kids aren't in school and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I mean next week you got a game on Thursday, so I mean now you got to whittle everything down with a day right. less uh, yeah. to prepare for. So. We're at that mark, so we need to talk about Altus, and then we need to get the final word. Yeah, let's talk, talk about Altus, bro. Oh man, what about Altus exactly? I mean, it, to me, I mean, it, are, are we thinking they're they're much improved? They've been pretty bad the last couple of years. I mean, there's no way to yeah. sugarcoat it. I mean, they've got a new coach. They got a new coach, an old an old coach. You know, was was there when they won the state title. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trying to get things turned back around. I mean, I. Much improved than they have been the last couple of years, um, but still one that you know on paper and whatever else we, mm-hmm. sh- we should take care of. I mean, yeah. if, if you if if you were to ask me, I mean, talk a little bit of kind of about the game plan um, and and what you know what we should look forward to against this team. Yeah, um, I mean, game plan really this week without getting to X and O right, right, right. isn't any different than it has been the last few weeks where we know we're talented enough and a good enough football team where if we go out and play Elgin football, we can win this game can, and control the game. Yeah. And it just comes down to, to keeping your guys locked in when they kind of know that, hey, we're 5-0 and and we should be better than this team, keeping them locked in to, you know, this isn't our end goal right. this week. And keeping them improving, keeping them locked in to where we can go out, execute, Stay healthy, get on the bus. And it's way harder than people think for to yeah. get fourteen to seventeen year old kids right. to stay locked in that entire period and whatnot. And, and Coach Wyatt talks about it a ton on the OSN coaches show. I mean, playing to our standard. Yeah. I mean, and if we can play to our standard, like you said, I mean, I think it should be. I mean, yeah. I think it should be one that that. Uh, that everybody will, will have fun Saturday night at the homecoming dance. Yeah. <laughs> and Look for us in the parade too. We'll be and, and parade Friday. Tell you, that Elgin standard is as high of a standard as they could possibly be. Yeah, I mean it has to be right now. I mean you're you're in, you're four to state. Um, you're in that you're in that four to five teams that have a chance to win the state title. Um, you know you kind of separated yourself some from the pack. Um, and like I said, I mean, it's kind of what we expected coming into this year with the amount of people that we returned and whatnot. I mean, right. and uh, and we're doing everything and we're staying on track to continue to do everything yep. that that we have in place. Um, and like I said, token week, so sometimes you have some distractions and whatnot. But I mean. Um, you will have some pregame stuff. You got the parade coming up. You know, some of that stuff as coaches, I mean, aren't necessarily always the most no, fun. Not the coaches' favorite. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's good for the community. It's good, and it's good to celebrate celebrate everything. But like I said, as coaches, it's not always, and as, as football people, it's not always ideal. But uh, you do what you have to do, and they handled it well last year. Um, so I think they'll handle it well this year. Coach White does a good job of allowing, you know. Keeping everybody focused on what what because nobody wants to go. I mean, luckily the last three weeks we've ruined a couple of homecomings. Um, so so this yeah, week man. this week we want to make sure that uh, we 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 do our job to keep ours uh, as positive as possible because nobody wants to go to a homecoming dance after a loss. No, and the kids do a great job of 
they talk about homecoming, obviously, during the school day and way after practice. But when we're in practice, nobody's talking about homecoming. Right. Nobody's worried no. about. Well, and that's the one thing that's cool about this team and about these kids. I mean, they have fun. They, you know, they do their thing and whatever else. But when it's football time, I mean, they're locked in. And yeah, they, they, they understand based upon responses that they give. You know, the work that they put in, but also responses that they give to the media, responses that they give to each other. I mean, they're bought into this is, let's make this a special year. So that's a cool deal. Let's move into final words. Go ahead. Uh, Final words. You know, honestly, we're moving in the office this week. You know, I mean, it is what it is. You know, uh, it's a homecoming game, homecoming game for us. Uh, Four in a row. Four in a row. (laughs) And, uh, I could have locked in, man. I think that's all. Awesome. It's our ticket, you know. So we're gonna keep moving on and going forward from there. I just go out. There we go. I'm up next, man. I mean, I guess just kind of sum everything up, you know. Um, kind of what you were talking about, man. I'm just looking forward to five weeks from now and moving forward. Yeah. Kind of um, just because I haven't been here to see these kids grow from middle school to what they are now, right? And all I can see right now is from spring ball to what we can get to this season. And I think we've come a long way since spring ball. And I know we have a long way to still go. And I'm excited to see us get there. Awesome. Said homecoming week. Got a lot of got a lot to celebrate. Obviously five and zero start, two and zero start district. Uh, with the 30 points, which is a big deal, obviously, for, for any tiebreakers or things like that. So looking forward to to the Altus game. Uh, looking forward to, to all the festivities related to homecoming. Um, looking forward to the to riding with the first and second grade cheerleaders. It's a Taylor State Farm there, yeah. riding, riding and dying. Um, but yeah, just looking forward to. Like I said, it's been a it's been a fun journey so far. We're five weeks in, so we're halfway through the regular season. Got a long way to go. Um, like I said, got five more games left in the regular season, and then hopefully, with the way that we're playing, we can make it into that postseason and and see where see where we can go from there. So. Just looking forward to the ride, and uh, really excited about the growth of the team. I mean, I think I think we're getting better every week, uh, and that's what you have to do. Um, luckily, we've been injury free so far, so that's 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 been a safe haven there. And uh, just really excited about the game Friday, and looking forward to seeing everybody during the homecoming festivities. We'll go a little, we'll go live at six fifteen um, on OSN this week, a little bit earlier than normal, so that way we can try and show you all the homecoming festivities. And uh, biggest thing is, we're glad to be back at home. Three yes. three week home, yes. three week road trips in high school are never fun, uh, so we're just happy to be back. Uh, there at Elgin, at Elgin, back in Elgin, and uh, see the home fans and the way that they traveled um, during those three weeks was amazing. So looking forward to seeing how packed these stands will get uh, on Friday night. So look forward to everybody being there. And as always, go Owls and woo! Amen. <laughs> so so before, right after warmups, pregame warmups, right? When, when we come back at, at our morning, okay, our we, we couldn't get in. We couldn't get into the gym, right? So so we get back, we're walking around the door, he goes this way, and I'm like, man, and I I, I go around the other way. I think you go the other way, right? The opposite we, way. We, we get back. Out. I happen to make it to the door first. So I'm looking up at the freaking the the because the way they had it, they had that gates covering the doors, right? So they had gates covering the 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 boys' restroom. They left the girls' restroom open on the other side, right? Right. There was gates 
indoors to everything. So yeah. both both sides of the gym, there was a gate to get into the gym. You could get into the building, but not to the gymnasium where our locker room was. Yeah, it was horrible. So so when we got back, we couldn't get in. So our kids couldn't so like, get in. Okay, the whole couldn't get in. The so, so they couldn't get in. So we're walking around. I get in there. And I'm about to start climbing this one. I was like, right, this is what has to happen, right? We have to figure this out. Right. And uh, so I've already checked the bathroom. I was looking through tiles. If I could climb <laughs> over, I'm checking everything out. He comes in. I'm like, thank God you're here, bro. Because <laughs> I'm about to do this. I'm man. What's crazy is I wasn't even going to go around. I just he. I was like talking about checking the back doors. He went. I was like, okay, he's he's gonna go check all the doors. Sat there for a while. Nobody's answering the phone that we're trying to call. And they have these little like ring cameras on the outside of all the entrances. And so I'm just going around pushing the call button yeah. and walking, jamming. And I get to kind of the side, and I know I'm like, man, Coach Bean already went to that side, but and I'm playing there, and, and like kids are chirping at me, they can't get in. I'm like, okay, fine, I'm gonna go see what's up with Coach Bean because he hasn't came back yet. Go there, and I don't see him. And I just hit the door, assuming it's not gonna open, and I'm like. And then I turn and I see him standing there. Yeah. And he's standing there. Yeah. <laughs> I just open it. He, just, he was ready. <laughs> hey man, it's about to, it was about to go bad. I'm so glad he showed up because man, that might have been the end of me, dog. <laughs> because I was looking at the padlock. I was thinking, I'm gonna have to grab, put my foot on the padlock, and get myself up there. You know, I, I, I was, I had it all planned out. I was like, man, this, this is fifty fifty, dog. I seen Chase and I was like, all right, we hunted. <laughs> Come on, brother. We hunted, dog. We're about to make this work, dog. Hey, um, but, uh, softball. Oh, yeah. Um, Shout out to softball. They're going to softball. Yeah, congratulations to the softball beat team. Out Reno. They beat out Reno eight to three and six innings. Had to call, uh, had to call it a little bit short because of the lightning stuff, but, uh, shout out to those guys. Um, Shout out to the softball team for making state. I mean, that's just that's an awesome accomplishment. Obviously, um, just kind of a continuation of the things that have gone on um, in the last couple months uh, with the football team doing so well last year. Dual state wrestling, yeah. Shout out to yeah, dual state wrestling, uh, baseball making it to state, and now softball on top of it. Like I said, I know Coach Levi's uh, daughter is is a big part of that. you know Jacob's niece there, so we we got a special spot out there for the Robertsons too. So congratulations to those guys and good luck and let's bring State home. Hundred percent. Help us, boys. Go out. Go out.